0: Good morning, it's good to see you this morning. We're in week 16 of Rooted. We've been over the last four months been looking through the story or the book of Colossians and some amazing things that that Paul has to teach us and uh, we've been enjoying that. I trust it's been an encouragement and a help to each one of you. Now next week this stage is going to look a little different it may look a little bit like it's outer space as we prepare for VBS, and it'll be a, a great week. The 12th through the 16th, 9.30 till noon will be VBS, and again, if you're able to help with that, we would greatly appreciate it, and it, I know when uh, I volunteer for things, oftentimes it's a uh, It's more of an encouragement to me than I think I am to others that I'm there to encourage. So I know you'll be blessed when you help with VBS this year. Let's pray and ask for God's wisdom this morning as we look at His Word. Father, as we come before You, may we recognize that You are Almighty God. And as we've been looking at the book of Colossians and and recognizing that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is our hope and our foundation. Lord, that we would live our lives differently to honor you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, we just bring this morning to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know some of you were at uh, graduation ceremonies over the last few weeks. In fact, I know many of the Helena schools had them yesterday, and over the last few weeks, different schools around around our area have had their graduation. Now, I want you to think back to your graduation. Now, for some of you, it will be a short journey. For some of us, it may be a little longer. And, uh, you know, things that happen at graduation... And uh, your high school years. I know we have some recent college graduates, and and uh, but think about it. And I brought one of our yearbooks from Belgrade High School. I've got several. If you uh, want to reminisce with me, I can tell you all kinds of stories. Uh, but you know, the yearbook—it's an interesting thing to go back and to think. And. The biggest thing that a yearbook does is it reminds you of the people that were part of your life during that segment of your life journey, and how many of you have uh, friends from high school that you still keep in regular contact with, and before you raise your hand, if you married your high school sweetheart and they're with you today, you probably should raise your hand for this. Uh, just remember that. But but how many of you, it doesn't have to be a high school sweetheart, so so high school friends that you still keep in contact with? All right, quite a few of you. And uh, you know, as I reminisce through this, uh, you know, at that time, Belgrade High School was a little smaller than it is today. And we would do things that maybe larger high schools don't do. We We had senior prophecies. Anybody have that in your uh, yearbook? Okay, yes, a few of you did. And what that means, it means they would predict what different people would do and be in the future from the senior class. And I I tell you what, I I cringe a little bit when I think about that, because that could be really dangerous. I mean, if uh, the person who was in charge of the senior prophecies didn't like someone else, they could uh, be a little uh, sarcastic in the prophecy. Uh, but we had expectations. We had expectations of, of what people would be like, what impact they would have on their world, or at that time we thought maybe even lack of impact, but we realized every single one of us has an impact. Might. Not necessarily be good, but we impact. And where they would be. And then we had our 10-year reunion. How many of you have gone to your 10-year reunion? All right, quite a few you have. And, and it was amazing. Because some of the things that you thought about some of the people were spot on some of the things you thought about the people were way off base, good or bad. And then we had our 20-year reunion. And it was amazing. The, the, the young people that I was closest to in high school, I, I oftentimes had a hard time communicating then because we had basically stopped or any correspondence, and they had gone off in their lives, I had gone off in my life, and it was much easier to talk to the people in the high school that that I really didn't have a good relationship with, or not necessarily a a very in-depth relationship with. But there were some of the people that I thought, wow, they are going to have an incredible impact on the world. And they didn't. And there were others that, I wondered, oh boy. Some of them we were surprised they graduated. Maybe a couple th- were surprised that I graduated. I knew I'd graduate because my teachers didn't want to see me another year. So they're like, we're getting rid of him. But some that made an incredible impact, expected or unexpected. And as we come to the close of Colossians, Paul lists a group of people that he sends greetings from. And if you're like me, oftentimes it's so easy when you get to the, to the end of a book, and I encourage you, I trust you're in the Word of God, and, but you get to the end of the book and, and you re- get to these names, and most of them are hard to pronounce, And and you just sort of skim over them. You know, you you may look and you say, yeah, we're going to have a child, so maybe we could find a new... And you read, you know, Archippus. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the name of our firstborn. And, And we just sort of glance over it, and it's sort of like the endings of a movie. If you go and watch a movie, I doubt you sit there mesmerized through the credits, watching for those names of the gaffer and, and the people that were in charge of, of different things that you never even knew existed. But these guys here at the end of Colossians, as well as other New Testament letters written by Paul and others, have a great amount of That they can teach us there are some important lessons that we can learn from their lives their stories can teach us a great deal follow along as I read Colossians chapter 4 beginning in verse 7 it begins with one of those strange names Tychicus or some people pronounce it Tychicus and and I will probably go back and forth as I pronounce it throughout this morning. But uh, beginning in verse 7, it says, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant of the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things that are happening here. Uh, Anybody found a name for one of your kids yet as we've gone through this? All right. Well, it gets better here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark. Now we're talking here. With Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. In other words, they're Jewish. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he is a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphis in the church that is in his house. Now, when, the epistle is read, when this epistle is read among you, and epistle means letter, is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains, Grace be with you. Amen. Now this morning, I'd like you to to bear with me here these first few minutes. And we're just going to give a quick bio of these eight guys that Paul sends his greeting. Now there's a couple more guys mentioned at the end that Paul is greeting that live there in Colossae or nearby. But the eight guys that are part of Paul's ministry that that Paul sends greetings to. From to the people in Colossae. The first one, Tychicus, we see him found in verses 7 and 8. He delivered the letter to the Colossians. He was the one who, who brought it, carried it there. He went with Paul and a team to Jerusalem in Acts 20. He was sent by Paul to help churches. We see that in Titus 3.12 and 2 Timothy 4.12. And then we have Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave that met Paul in Rome. He met Paul, he went to Rome about 1,300 miles from Colossae to try to hide from his master named Philemon. And while there, he he met Paul. And he became a faithful helper of Paul in his ministry. He gave his life to Christ. And most people believe, and historians believe, that he later became a pastor. Aristarchus, found in verse 10, he stood with Paul during the riots of Ephesus. He stood with Paul on his trip to Jerusalem and the voyage to Rome. And then Mark, or oftentimes called John Mark, and found in verse 10. He's the guy, you, you'll see in Acts, I believe it's Acts around chapter, uh, well, he, he comes back in chapter 15, so a little before then, we see that he quit when he was traveling with Paul and Barnas, Barnabas on their first missionary journey. He just up and quit. But he came through when given a second chance. and Eventually, he wrote the Gospel of Mark. And then Jesus, who was called Justice. By the way, Jesus was a common name. And so oftentimes, they would give the, the Greek or Roman name along with that Jewish name to clarify who it is. And so his, he was Jesus, who was called Justice. And he was one of the few Jews who stood with Paul. And we see that he was a great encouragement to Paul. And we know very little more about justice. In fact, this is the only time it mentions him. And then Epaphras. Epaphras was likely the person who founded the church at Colossae. And he was known as a prayer warrior. In verse 14, we, we come across the name Luke, a more common actor or person in the new testament he was a medical doctor who traveled with paul he wrote the books of luke and acts and demas a guy that served with paul but his ministry had a very bad and sad ending So we see, this is the list of the guys in a very brief bio of each one of them. But but what I want us to do this morning as we close out this book of Colossians is, is examine some of the qualities that these men displayed. Paul worked with Many people around him serving with him. And, and these people who worked with Paul demonstrated some vital qualities of a godly friend and a co-worker. And so let's look at some of those, quali- those qualities that God gave or challenges us to demonstrate. We see a godly friend or co-worker will stand with us. Proverbs 18:24 says a man who has friends must himself be friendly but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now it's easier it's easy to be a friend when it benefits us. But what about the times when it is hard or when being their friend requires giving much more than we receive? I uh, I had a friend in fifth and sixth grade, uh, he, and, and he was everybody's friend. His dad had a very good job, and there was a place downtown Belgrade called The Fountain, which had, you know, sodas, and, and, but they also had games, and, and it, was a, it was a kid's hangout. And everybody liked Doug because Doug always had money. Some of the rest of us didn't have as much money, but and, and Doug was a nice young man, and he was happy to to put the quarter in so we could play a game of pool or a pinball game. Everybody liked Doug. But something happened, and the company his dad worked for, downsized, was bought out or whatever, and and his dad's job changed and the money wasn't the same and all of a sudden Doug didn't have lots of quarters to uh, share activities with the rest of us and it was amazing to watch how many of the guys that that seemed to be Doug's best friends all of a sudden weren't that interested in Doug and uh, Fortunately for a few of us, we were able to uh, recognize that uh, Doug had other qualities rather than quarters, and uh, we still were good friends. Now, I just have a little sidelight that has nothing to do with this morning's message, but, but I told the story of Doug at a, a camp I was talking at years ago, and uh, so I told this story and, and talked to challenge was kids and challenged them you know what it means to be a good and a godly friend it was a series that we were we were doing there at the camp and and so i told the story of doug because i think it was a very powerful story in my life and i made a mistake because i shared his last name and after camp after the message one of the campers, a young lady, came up to me and said, Doug Blank? I said, yeah. She said, that's my dad. (laughs) Oh, okay, never mind. So I didn't share his name in case he happens to be listening online. I'm sure he's regularly tuned in each Sunday. But we see the importance of being a friend when... There's not a lot of benefit to us. Aristarchus. And and most of these guys really stood out as as people who stood with Paul through thick and thin. But we're going to look at Aristarchus. One of the guys on the list. We're introduced to Aristarchus in Acts 19. He was working with Paul in Ephesus. And a riot broke out. And Aristarchus and another man were arrested. They wanted Paul, but, but they grabbed the two closest guys, and it was Aristarchus and this other guy, and, and they took them, and they were mistreated and thrown in prison. The whole town was up in up, an uproar. And I don't know about you, but I might have said, you know, if I was Aristarchus, I'm going to have said, you know, Paul, when I'm around you, things don't go well. So I think I'm going to keep my distance. But Aristarchus didn't do that. He continued to travel with Paul and and face the same dangers that Paul faced. The intense persecution. He went with Paul all the way to Rome and was in prison with him and it just says a fellow prisoner and but a lot of historians believe that that he spent his time in prison with Paul voluntarily. Now there's a chance that he was actually arrested and in prison with him but but most people believe that he voluntarily stayed with Paul in prison in order to help him in the ministry. That is a friend And Aristarchus was a godly friend. Jesus, who is called justice, is mentioned only in this passage in the Bible. We know very little about him, but what we know can teach us a lot. He was one of a minority of Jews that stood with Paul. Many of the Jews, including many of the Jews in the church, were very angry that the Gentiles were part of the church. And they considered Paul and those associated with him as traitors to the true faith. And, and we talked about that earlier with the, with the different traditions, the Jewish traditions that the Colossians were challenged to follow. And uh, incorrectly, remember we talked about Jesus plus. But for him to stand with Paul meant that he could be ostracized by his family and and put at arm's length by his friends. But he was faithful in standing with Paul, and Paul said he is an encouragement to me. But justice is like one of those guys that are part of the credits at the end of the movie. We don't know very much about him, and, and we don't know any amazing things that he did, but he knew we know he was a faithful friend. The credits, he was probably the second gaffer. We have no idea what he did. But then we see the one negative person here. At this point, it's not, but we just get a glimpse later on about his life, and that was the guy Demas. Now, Demas is mentioned three times in Scripture, including here in Colossians 4. He's mentioned in the book of Philemon... Philemon was a person who was actually in the church at Colossae, and and Paul sent the the letter to Philemon while he was in prison just as he sent the letter to the Colossians. uh, But in, in the book of Philemon, Demas is mentioned as a fellow laborer with Christ. Here in Colossians, he's just listed as part of the list. But when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is just about ready to die. He knows his life is going to be taken from him. He's been in prison for several years. And he's about ready to be martyred for his faith. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last words that we have of Paul, he gives a list there, like he gives a list here at the end of the letter to the Colossians. And in this list he, he talks about how hardly anyone is still with him. Now part of them were still very faithful, but God had sent or Paul had sent them out to different places to help the churches. But Paul is very lonely. And it mentions Demas again, the third and final time Demas is mentioned. Paul has very peop- few people standing with him and Demas deserted him. It says this, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, Now there's more to that, and we don't understand fully. But evidently, Demas saw the things that were a lot more exciting than working with Paul. Now it looks like he maybe even just turned his back on God. But here is Paul, and this guy that had been with him for evidently a good period of time decided, you know, I've got better things to do. And he walked out on Paul in a time of Paul's greatest need as Paul was facing his own death. What a sad story. But we see People like Aristarchus and Justus, who were faithful through the mountaintops but also through the valleys of Paul's life. And they ministered together with Paul when things were going gangbusters but also when the persecution was coming and, and people were threatening their lives. And they had the possibility of being martyred for the faith. So, a godly friend will stand with us, but also a godly friend will sacrifice for us. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Tychicus was was faithful in working with Paul throughout much of his ministry. He was willing to follow Paul's leadership and go where he needed to go. He's mentioned several times with Paul, and often it involved traveling to work with people that needed help or encouragement. Now, we have a a map that's coming up here. And in this map, we, we see something taking place here. We see, so over here is Rome, and down here is Colossae. And it's about 1,300 miles from Rome to Colossae. And you think, oh, that's no big deal. Let's see, okay, 1,300 miles. You know, that, that's, you know, two and a half, three hour airplane flight. I, I think I'm about right there. I didn't figure it out, the speed of an airplane. But you can go home and do that this afternoon. Take the average speed and etc. So anyway, but it's about 1,300 miles, but you'll notice... But pretty much you have to go all the way through Italy, and then you cross two different seas there. And then uh, you got to go across here, and then all the way in. And it's about, I believe, around 100 miles in here. and, And you do that pretty much all on foot or by boat. So it's not an afternoon flight. And taking journeys in those days was very dangerous. Along a lot of the routes, they had people that uh, would uh, waylay travelers and beat them up, take things from them, even kill them. But here was a guy that was willing to do whatever he was called on to do and to sacrifice And so he was the guy that, along with Onesimus, that Paul was sending the letter to the Colossians with, as well as to the Laodiceans and probably to Philemon also. And also to check up to see how they're doing and to let them know how Paul was doing. The trips that Tychicus Tychicus took were dangerous. Required the sacrifice of time as he left everything to go and serve. He was a good friend, a godly friend, and a godly coworker because he put others and their needs before himself. He sacrificed for the benefit of others. You know, the sacrifice required to be a godly friend involves giving up of yourself. Maybe giving up your own desires, your own things, in order to help others. Luke, mentioned here, was a doctor. He gave up the possibility, I'm sure, of a practice to travel with Paul and take on the dangers of that service as he served together with Paul and the others. Luke chose to use his talents and his experience to work and to serve God at great sacrifice of his own. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. A godly friend, a godly coworker, sacrifices. But we also see a godly friend will pray for us. James 5:16 says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or does much good Epaphras was the one who founded the church there in Colossae he was deeply involved in the ministry as a leader in that church but Epaphras was most known as a prayer warrior what a great thing to be known for. Yeah, that's the person who prays a lot. Wouldn't that be great if that was said of us? There's, there's a, a missionary, and he, he went to India in 1892. His name was John Hyde. But he over the years, he received a nickname. He was called Praying Hyde. He went to India, and he had very few talents. They evidently said that he he could not talk well. He also had a hearing problem, which probably also affected his speech. And many people around him wondered, why are you going to be a missionary? You don't have the skill. But he had something that they didn't recognize. He had a passion for people. And he passionately prayed for them. And the ministry that he had in India, God used in amazing ways. So Epaphras. Praying Epaphras. You notice about his prayers, it's mentioned Paul talks of him in verses 12 and 13. His prayers were constant. He was. It says, always praying for them. And we know what always means. Always comes from all. All means all. That's all all means. He was always doing it. He was continually praying. And He was passionately praying. It says that He was fervently praying for them. And that, that term, laboring fervently, as it's translated, comes from a word where we get the English word agonize. And it, and it pictured a wrestler in the games Agonizing for the victory. But we see also that a godly friend demonstrates grace and forgiveness. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. The stories of Onesimus and Mark, the last two that we haven't touched on yet this morning, demonstrate grace and forgiveness. Anesimus was a slave of one of the men in the church named Philemon. And we talked a little bit about slavery a few weeks ago and and uh, and, and we and we discussed that as we looked at the, the end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. So we're not going to get into that this morning. But Anesimus had run away, and not only had he run away, but he had evidently taken a bunch of Philemon's things when he left. And, and that trip that we showed from Rome to Colossae, he took it the opposite direction, from Colossae to Rome, to, to sort of blend in in the big city as far away from where he had been a slave as possible. And we don't know how, but, but somehow he connected with Paul. Now Philemon was good friends with Paul and maybe he had heard Philemon talking about this guy named Paul and, and there while he was in Rome he was maybe at rock bottom and, and found out where Paul was being held and went to visit him. We don't know. But whatever happened, however he came in contact with Paul, Paul, Onesimus gave his life to Christ. And Paul asked him to do something very difficult. Don't stay hidden. Go back and face the consequences of what you've done. Now, you have to understand, that was a big thing. Because oftentimes if a slave was a a runaway, they would uh, make a big mark on his forehead, an F. Basically, we think of a fugitive but a reminder that they weren't faithful. But also, their master could have them thrown in prison, or oftentimes they would be killed because they weren't faithful. And Onesimus went back. If you read the book of Philemon, or the letter of Philemon, written by Paul to this guy Philemon, Paul challenges Philemon, accept Onesimus as a brother which, finding the character of Philemon, he probably did. But we see that Onesimus went back and he actually went with Tychicus and delivered the letters. He asked Philemon to forgive him. And we don't know the end of the story, but most people believe that Onesimus became a pastor. And then John Mark... Or just Mark, as Paul writes here, but oftentimes in Scripture, called John Mark. Deserted Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. When things got tough, he left. Paul didn't trust him. If you go to Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go on a second missionary journey. And, and Barnabas, who happened to be the cousin of John Mark, Barnabas said, Well, let's bring John Mark again. And Paul said, Over my dead body. That guy's a quitter. And the the tension between Paul and Barnabas was so great that that Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took a guy named Silas because he was not going to go with John Mark. But over the years, Barnabas and also Peter poured their lives into this young quitter named John Mark. And we see that his life changed and he became a leader in the church and twice both here in colossians and in second timothy chapter 4 the same passage where it talks about demas having deserted him paul says bring john mark for he is worthy of the ministry he's demonstrated his character of faithfulness and it would be great to have him here with me something that a little while earlier Paul would have never said. (laughs) Instead, he said, I don't want to be near him. But grace and forgiveness. Peter and Barnabas overlooked John Mark's lack of godly character and running away and saw a young man that God could mold and use in amazing ways for the ministry. This reclamation of John Mark is amazing as we recognize what God can do. And, and John Mark, not only did he become a leader in the church, but God used him to write the Gospel of Mark. One of only four people that, that was called upon through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to record the activities of Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. Pretty amazing responsibility that that God gave to this man. But a godly friend demonstrates grace and forgiveness and maybe you have someone that has done something to you and you say they don't deserve a second chance. Well, think about Onesimus and John Mark. How God ended up using them in mighty ways even though they had made very significant poor decisions. We'll put it nicely in their lives. So as we close, as we consider these eight men, how does that affect us? How should I live differently this week? Do I need to figure out and go back and study? Is it Tichicus or Tychicus? Hmm. No, we can look at their character. Some described in broader terms throughout Scripture, but some, like Justice, mentioned this this one time. But the character that they demonstrated or in Demas' case did not demonstrate what it means to be a godly friend, but also a godly minister for Jesus Christ. How do you do in these characteristics that we looked at today? A willingness to stand with others and stand for Christ. A willingness to sacrifice for them. To pray for them. And to show grace and forgiveness toward them. But we also, like Paul, need to recognize those who have impacted us. I remember reading, and I can't even remember where I read it, but, but a, a Christian author who was sharing the importance of encouragement. And he talked about this teacher that he had had years earlier but was very old. And, and I don't know if he had heard that she was in poor health and decided to write her a note. And it had been years since he had been in her classroom. But she had had an impact on him so he wrote her a note it took just a minute it was very basic and obviously he hadn't even been in contact with her for years but just said you know i'm thinking about you and thank you so much for what you did in my life well he got a note back and she was just so grateful for the note And one of the things that he brought out in discussing her note back to him was she said, this is the first note like that that I've ever gotten in years and years. What a sad declaration. But we can change that. There's people in your life that have had an impact, some for just a short season, Maybe a long time ago, some people for longer periods of time, and even currently. I want you to take some time this week and write one or two notes to people like that. People that have had an impact in your life. And it's going to do two things it's going to remind you of how God is working in your life through the lives of others. Actually, three things, sorry. And it's also going to remind you to be that godly friend, that godly co-minister. And it's also going to encourage them. So, I want you to do that this week as well as think, how can I be a godly friend and co-worker? And as we think about it, we can go back to last week. I hope that uh, when the time came, you put the rock in your mouth. Right? If you weren't here last week, you have to go back online and see what that's talking about. Godly speech. And throughout this book of Colossians, so many ways that that obviously, and, and we looked at it in those first couple chapters specifically, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And because of that, chapters 3 and 4, how we live like a new person in Christ, in our relationships with others. We looked at our relationships in our families, our relationships in the workplace, our relationships with all those people around us that we come in contact with, and our relationship with God. As we look to him recognizing he is our only hope but we respond with a new person we have a new address if we're a follower of jesus christ heaven is our eternal destiny if we put our faith and trust in him and we live differently here on earth let's pray father thank you so much for your goodness and your love lord i pray today that you would help us to be faithful help us to be faithful and godly friends and co-workers in ministry for you. Lord, may you be glorified in our actions and may we be people that that impact those around us through your power and for your glory. Lord, may we recognize the blessing of those who have in a positive way impacted us. Lord, may we be diligent in reaching out to them and encouraging them and sharing with them the ways that they have helped us. And we will give you the praise and the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.